welcome back to another episode of Stranger at Home. My name is Alex. I'm Gil. And this is the show where we talk about what it means to be a Kiwi. I think I change that that intro bit every time. You change time. it every, yeah. <sighs> I usually edit it to sound somewhat similar, but yeah. Anyway, today uh, we have a very special guest. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, kia ora koutou. My name's Ryan Meachin. Um Jeez. I guess that's it for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's that's perfect. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Um, so I grew up on the East Coast in Hawke's Bay in a pretty little city called Hastings. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a small city. Uh, I think it's about maybe seventy or 80,000 people live there. But mm. um, home for me is a little suburb on the west side called Flaxmere that's... Um, Probably got about 10,000 people living there. So that's where my grandparents live. And that was, I guess, um, the consistent the consistent place amidst all of my life. It's been the place that's been there since day one and that continues since day one. So when I go home, that's, uh, you know, that's where I'm going back to to connect. It's nice to have a consistency in that regard, right? Like you might move around yourself, but there's always somewhere to go back to. Oh, seriously, man. I think uh, not to not to jump into the, like the, the, the depths of this conversation <laughs> straight away. but No, we love it. Uh, I remember really clearly in my second year at university. No, my, my third year at university it would have been. Um, my mother and my stepfather divorced. And um, they had just moved over to, I think, Napier six mm-hmm. months beforehand, which is like Napier and Hastings are lumped together as two cities because oh, mm-hmm. it's the same city because they're so close to one another. But it was just this like crazy moment of like, wow, when I'm go when I go home to see my parents, I'm not really going home anymore. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so and that just kind of like solidified it how much more important my grandparents' house was. It's not yeah. It's not a flash place or anything like that, but it's uh, it's got a soul and it's got some spirit to it. So that's home for me. I relate on such a strong level here because yeah. uh, it was always my grandmother's house in Whangarei. was mm. like my home. I was, you know, after I came home from the hospital after being born, that's where I went. Mm. And then every single time I've come back to New Zealand, I've gone there. And just because she's just recently passed away, that's oh. gone now. Yeah. So it's really like, oh, I don't have that constant anymore. Yeah. And my parents have done this thing where they moved away as well from the, from the home. So yeah. they were in Singapore. They've moved to Germany now. So if I visit them, I'm not visiting home in the same way. So it's like... Oh, yeah. Oh gosh, that affected me quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's that like stronghold almost of, you know, the grandparents' house. It's mm. something I feel like is a lot like I don't know how often grandparents tend to move around, you know. So I feel like a lot of people can, re- can relate to like the the grandparents' house, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. that's somewhere special. Yeah, it's really um interesting because when I moved from Queensland over to Wellington, um my parents also moved from the house that I've been in since I was born down to Canberra, which is like seven billion kilometers away. Yeah. Um, And our house, like we're renting it out. But like we went back there for a visit and I was like, oh, like this isn't my childhood home anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like a real, real moment of like that world of like my childhood and that like absolute security and stuff is gone. Like Mm. that's, there's not like a home to go back to in that way, like. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, that's just the thing. You know, people were, you know, human beings, it's in our nature to just move around a lot, you know. And mm. when it when we get ties to places, like when we really feel a strong connection to a place, a city, you know, a suburb or whatever, and things move and life moves on, it just gets really hard when you, you realize you have to let go. 
mm. of yeah. it, you know. I think that's quite quite do, difficult. Do you think in some ways, like I guess this is something that I'm grappling with in regards to that, is that so I like I feel a very strong tie to Flaxmere and Hastings, my yeah. hometown, and like for the last few years that's been like a real sense of purpose is like going back home and making a difference in something. Yeah. Right. But yeah. if if that was suddenly taken from me, sometimes I wonder whether that would be liberating as well because then mm. I would be, I don't know, I'm free to... Mm. Yeah. Or would I just be like, would I just be anchorless? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it, I, I, I totally know what you mean. You feel because of your, you know, your emotional ties, your anchor to this place, you mm. do feel a sense of obligation or responsibility, you know, it's, mm. especially if you, you know, you're... I don't know. I don't know what the the word is, but if you're trying to work to to you know improve things there in any way mm. as yourself, you've you've taken on that responsibility for yourself. To it does feel like a something that's always holding you in place a little bit. You know, mm. you can't finish. You can't move on until mm. you've achieved that goal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it probably for me like depends on the day, like whether I feel like tied down. Mm -hmm. like in a positive kind of anchoring way or like held back and I'm kind of like pulling mm -hmm. against mm -hmm. that. Um, you can't see the Italian hand gestures, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's why we need to start filming these so that yeah. we can get Gil's amazing hand gestures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's I mean, what a, what a way to start this because it's such a fascinating thing, the idea of like what responsibility we have to the places we grew up or what, mm. you know, what what those places have to mean to us going forward, you know. Yeah, or why some people even, why some people grow up in particular places and they feel like a really real obligation to go back and make a difference. Yeah. Or why some people, I've, I've got plenty of friends that grew up in Hastings and grew up thinking it was a shit hole and they couldn't be couldn't wait to get out. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's like what leads to those different outcomes, you know, when people feel completely differently about the place that they grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. I I I mean I don't have an answer for that. But I think it's just so so much on like circumstances and stuff. I know I know last year um you you talked to us about like you know, going home and making making a difference and yep. stuff. And that was, you know, quite inspiring to me. I was like, wow. That's amazing, mm. you know, taking that, you know, the real idea that we can all make an individual difference and you really just take that to the max and, and mm. that that's really like something that I really admire about you, I think. Yeah, it's just, oh, yeah. Thanks, man. So how often do you go back? Um, as often as I can, probably mm -hmm. more often now that I've, um, I'm no longer working in student accommodation, I don't need to be on call. Anymore, <laughs> yeah. So um, I went back just last weekend, which was really nice. Oh, that's nice. Um, I'd probably say I'd go maybe, maybe once every two months or something like that. That's really good. Um, but I, I think the the tension that I'm grappling with is like, I don't think I could, and I'm conscious of the fact that I'm still young, I'm 27, <laughs> I'm still young, and yeah. like I've still got a life ahead of me, but I couldn't picture myself being... 60, 70 years not old and not going back to Hastings to make a difference or contribute to my community in one way or in another. Mm. Or another. And um, But the, I guess where I'm going with that is the thing that I'm grappling with is how long do I give myself before I need to go back? Or like how long am I allowed to be away from my hometown and away from my family to go on my own journey and become who I need to become. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, is it going to, is it too late if I wait until I'm 50 years old? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Dougal would have something to say about um, Bildungsroman, the kind of narrative theory of, you know, you, you start at home, you go away and you come back changed. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of like the, the narrative shape of, 
a lot of early 19th century literature that's really boring sorry well well, that's really cool because like honestly one of the things that i think about quite a bit and this was um from a lecture that i got from paul mcdonald Mm -hmm. one of my favorite lecturers ever um he um did a small piece, I can't remember, it might have been in his lecture that he did on motivation. So this is one of my favourite lecturers I ever had and I used to record his lectures and listen to them in my spare time. Wow. But anyway, he um, was talking about how in China, and I'm probably going to butcher butcher this, so forgive me if I have, but um, apparently there's um, quite a resonant metaphor and I think the about the Haigui, which is the Chinese sea turtle. And it's, um, so the Haigui are people that leave China Mm. and they say, go over and study overseas in the States or something like that. But then they come back and they make a difference in China themselves. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is I feel like I'm on my my sea voyage at the moment, but I need to come home eventually, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mm. my sister is studying Pacific studies and security. and she's talking a lot about wayfaring and mm. wayfinding and kind of the Moana as a place of opportunity, not just of spaces between. Um, mm. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that it's something very built into a lot of cultural frameworks, right, that we mm. need to journey, but we also need to come home. Mm. It's, it's exactly as you, you both have kind of said, you know, in all of the stories that we tell, the stories that we love watching or reading and stuff, it's always about someone who starts in their own world and goes off and learns something, changes somehow, comes back and makes makes their home a better place or whatever, mm. you know, it's the hero's journey, you know, it's, yeah, it's everything yeah, yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. I think, I think we, we tell those stories to ourselves because it is, it is, you know, that that's our culture almost as a, as a, as a species is to, to go off to make something of ourselves and return and make, you know, everyone proud or mm. everyone healthier or happier or whatever, yeah. whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think in answer to your question, it's when there's no, like, no, it's not too late, mm. um, but it just changes, changes the shape of the narrative, I guess, mm. when, when works for you to find, yeah, time to go, go back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to, 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 you know, I think as people who have traveled away to go get an education and really like, you know, getting an education is is like a, a whole microcosm of like bettering ourselves or whatever, right? You go off, you go have this experience and you enter the, the working world and you provide for people, right? You provide for yourself. If you choose to have a family, your family, or maybe you're providing for your parents when they get into, you know, retirement age or whatever. Mm. It's like for us to then say, well, okay, when, when, what, what, when do we stop? What do we do? How do we face these transitional points in our lives where we move from one stage to the next, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess you're kind of at that crossroads now, right? Where you've switched jobs and stuff. Would you say that's a, that's why this stuff is on your mind? Um, I think this stuff's always been on my mind because mm-hmm. I came to university with the intention of making a difference in my hometown. Yeah. But I think just like the medium of how I imagined that I'd make that difference has changed quite a bit. Sure. So, yeah, recently I guess I've closed a chapter, in, a bloody massive chapter in my life by leaving student accommodation after seven years. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> um, and I'm hoping that, like, the space that I'm going into now is exactly where I... I don't know necessarily if it's the work that I want to be doing, but it's the space that I want to be in, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I guess... Everything that we're talking about right here, that's the common thread that weaves all of these chapters that are going on as well, is that that theme of um, becoming who I envision that I could possibly become for the benefit of 
people back home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and to slightly kind of, yeah, to bounce off that, that's what you're studying in your PhD as well, kind of, isn't it? Um, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-development? It's, um, so I'm looking at um, Maslow's very famous hierarchy of needs. Oh, yes. Yeah. Iconic symbols in management and psychology. Yeah. I'm looking at right at the top of the hierarchy of needs is um, something called self-actualization, which mm. is becoming all that you can potentially and uniquely become. Wow. Um, so I'm looking at that, but I'm trying to understand that from a, a Matauranga Māori perspective as well. Mm. Yeah. So that's, and um, so I guess I'm kind of taking the approach. I've, I got this from my supervisor of um, research is me search. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and part of that is also in terms of, I guess, forging and finding my own identity as well. One of the things that I've been really conscious of is that I think my mother growing up kind of, I love her to death, but I think one of the things that she did in an effort to give me and my brother a better life, she, I think she equated being Māori to growing up rough, and so she kind of rejected elements of being Māori. Sure. So, like, I've got my first cousins who went to Kurakaupapa and that sort of stuff, and they had opportunities to be proficient in te reo Māori where I didn't necessarily have those same opportunities. And so um, I guess what I'm saying when it comes to that as well is that the next iteration of my journey is being able to stand in my own mana in that space, mm-hmm. yeah. which is what I'm trying to do with my PhD in terms of figuring that out, but also picking up the language and becoming myself as well. So yeah. it's another iteration of my identity journey that I'm trying to take on. Yeah. We are all like so many... Yeah, circles within circles of identity and mm. kind of, yeah, journeys towards different places. That's, mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, best of luck with that as well. Yeah, I, how, <laughs> honestly, it's um, it's fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, sure. go to, um, I go to um, my Te Reo Māori course and I, very honestly, sometimes I get like pissed off when Pākehā people in my class are better than me and that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, it's all yeah. good, you know what I mean? Like rationally I think about it, but then I well, no, have so like fair. this like shame in me and that sort mm. of stuff. Yeah. I read an article about that very experience yeah. re- uh, recently, maybe like two months ago, and I, I think it was in the spinoff or something, but it was about the idea that, you know, because Pākehā people don't have the relationship to Te Ao Māori, mm. you know, that, and the actual understanding of that sort of thing, and they don't come from a place where... This language, this, you know, for Pakeha, this language is something to learn. You know, mm. oh yeah, I'm 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 a New Zealander. I might as well learn it. It's one of the national languages. Blah mm. blah blah. But really, for for Maori people trying to learn it, it's it's like relearning and relearning something that's been taken away mm. and stuff. So it's like, yeah, this it is really rough for the, the author was saying it's really rough to go into a class and then some Pakeha person is just like, yeah, I know everything. Mm. I'm here for practice or whatever. Mm. And someone's really trying to learn and struggling with grappling, not only with the, a complicated language, but also with their own sense of identity, which is, you know, yeah, exactly yeah. the journey you're going on. Yeah. I don't think you should feel guilty for being angry at all. No, I, I, well, yeah, but it's, uh, I, I guess I'm just trying to like, you feel it and then you try to distance yourself from it as well. So you sure. Yeah. Deal with it healthfully. Yeah. yeah. I'm um, One of my classmates in creative writing um, went to Morai for the first time um, last month. She's in her late 40s um, and she'd never yeah, been able to be in that space before and she's learning te reo mm. and wow. just really yeah, struggling with very similar things. She's like... 
I don't feel Maori enough. Mm. But I'm like, yeah. So she's going through like an intensive kind of on Maori kind of like learning about herself and tikanga and mm. yeah. learning the reo. Mm. Wow. On, um, I guess, some almost symbolically on intentionally symbolically on January the 1st this year me and some friends we did a road trip and we were up in we did New Year's Eve in Raglan we had a really awesome night out and everything like that and then next day my friends went to the beach and um, I got the car that we hired and I drove 40 kilometres south down this gravel road and went to Kafia which is um, where my great grandfather was born um, so I get my my whakapapa Māori through my my grandfather, so his parents were Māori. And mm. um, so it was the first time that I'd ever been there. It was the first time that I'd been to the marae there, which was all kapu marae. And um, I didn't know anyone there. I just rocked up, <laughs> you know. And uh, <laughs> I remember um, there were these these young fellas that came up and was like, hey, what are you doing here? They would have been about seven or eight years old. <laughs> and um, I was just like, hey, like... Um, my my great great grandmother is a woman called Paritūharangi, and she she is buried here somewhere. Um, can you can you show me where she's buried? And they were like, Oh yeah yeah, I'll take you to dad. And so I went to went to their dad and met their dad, and I introduced myself as one of the moko mokopono of Paritūharangi, and he goes, Oh sure, she's my great grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. And anyway, they took me into the marae oh. and, and that sort of, and showed me around, and there were some people just sleeping on mattresses in there, and you know, as marae work. And uh, it was it was really special. There was uh, a photo of my great grandfather on the wall, wow. and um, and uh, you know all, all other ancestors that I wasn't connected to or didn't have. Well, I wasn't aware of yet. I'm sure they were aware of me. Yeah. And yeah, so that was that was a, a symbolic part of me trying to reconnect with that world. Yeah. That part of who I am. What a great experience. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, must yeah. have been like really raw, but also like really cool. Yeah, and it was. Um, I think. There was also something for me symbolic in it where I had to take this like one hour drive on this like gravel road to get there and then an hour drive back and it was just like this really beautiful and rugged terrain as well and I I guess where I'm going with that is that it it allowed me to distance myself from hanging out with my friends Mm. and then like take this journey by myself and then once I'd come back I was able to take that drive again to decompress and yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about journeys. That journey that you know, the gravel road journey yeah. is a preparation and stuff. I mean yeah. this whole episode has had a theme of journeys and stuff, I think, which has been really fun. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I can totally see why that would be valuable. Mm. Um yeah, I mean in um Pacific studies at the moment we've been learning about the, the Samoan concept of the VAR. Mm. Um which I yeah. Massive apologies if I have understood this wrong, but it's kind of um, the idea that the space between two things is where relationality happens. Mm. So, like, that gravel road to me seems like a, a var between, like, your this, like, specific part of your identity and this other kind of, like, world of your mates and going mm. on a road trip and, like, that gravel road is where that relationality and thought mm. process kind of... That's really interesting on. because I was... Um I was, I guess, a connection that I'm making is something that I was reading similarly. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Eckhart Tolle or something like that, mm. one of the old, 
one of the old mindfulness gurus, but was talking about how like awareness and mindfulness is the gap between the stimulus and the action. Right. And yep. the more that you can prolong that gap, you know, that, that's better for your own awareness and your own mindfulness and your own well-being. And I, I guess I'm kind of just making a connection between that and like that understanding of relationality between two objects or a stimulus and a response as well mm, as yeah. like being able to find beauty in the gap or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm the saying? Li- liminal spaces as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, that's a also a building's Roman in and of itself. You know, you go from this world, you go to somewhere else that's also kind of a home, but mm. one that you hadn't been to before and come back kind of changed. Mm. Wow. Sort of into the familiar world. Mm. This is... I, I just really uh, have enjoyed the like the cycle of this this episode, how we have started somewhere and come back to it in a really great way. And I'm conscious of the time because I think you've got a meeting to prepare for. Yeah, I got to bugger off. So yeah, thank you so much, Ryan, for okay. for joining us and, and sharing that. Ooh, that was for having me. Really cool insights. Um, great. Uh, good luck with the rest of your PhD. When do you, you. when are you supposed to wrap that up? Is there, is <laughs> in that? six years. Yeah. Hey. So I'm doing it wow. part time. So. Um, I will finish uh, when I'm 33, apparently. Um, well, I can't wait to read it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, jeez. If it helps, it, um, it took my dad eight years. I think he went um, to the US to do his PhD. My mom followed him because she was like, want to be with my husband. Yeah. And she was like, might as well do a PhD because like, whatever, I'm here. Yeah, she finished before him. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What a classic. Yeah. yeah. So, I was speaking to my grandfather and I just, maybe just like final point to close this full circle. And I said to him, if I crossed the stage and got my PhD in what I'm studying right now and I couldn't speak te reo Māori, I'd feel like a fraud. Um, so that's part of the journey as well as um, learning to deal Māori while I do my PhD alongside that. And then mm. hopefully there'll be a next iteration of my identity journey by the time I'm 33 and I get hey. that next piece of paper. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. That sounds like, uh, you know, it's tough, but it's also going to be really rewarding. Yeah. And my student loan's going to be fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's tomorrow's problem. Yeah, exactly. Future right. me can deal with it. Excellent. Um, any closing notes, Kiel? Nope. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, our uh, information is in the show notes down below. Uh, we've got a new. We're going to take a week off uh, during the break because I'm in Christchurch. Oh, good sorry. To know. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll record. <laughs> we'll record it again in the second week of the break. Um, but yeah, so we will see you guys uh, at the beginning of next the next half of the try. Thank you very much again. All good. Peace out.